Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Well, thank you, Dr. Lederbach. Uh, it's a joy to, to be on campus. Uh, I love this place. I see many friends uh, who are here. Uh, when And some of you have been with me during this entire time of a student going back 21 years ago, and it just reminds us we're getting old. And uh, I uh, asked my son one day, I said, you know, I think about the fact that you know, your age now, I think my father was old. Do you see me as old? And he said, yes, we do. Uh, and so, guys, that's how they view us, as old. But see, my my. Just, I think the greatest major professor I could have ever had in my doctor work, Dr. Harper back there. Uh, uh, thank you for being here today as well. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And I told Dr. Lederbach, I really have sensed God placing this, on, this message on my heart to bring to you several weeks ago. And I didn't realize at the time I was going to be following the GO conference. And so I thought as I was praying this morning, I said, you know, probably this past weekend, they've heard 10 different messages out of Acts chapter one, focusing on verse eight. And so if that's the case, hey, it's the word of God, it's powerful. And at the end of this message, maybe all you're gonna be able to say is, you know, that's a great text he preached. So uh, I pray that, that we can do that. Uh, I love teaching here. I love the fact that I, I teach in the area of preaching. And you know, my, my favorite definition for preaching uh, comes from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Logic on fire. Now, some of you, I say that, some of you knew that, uh, that definition. I love that. The reason I love that, that definition of preaching is because it, it, it takes, and, and the way I would describe it, it takes the, the study. It takes the fact that we, we, we work on the text, as, as Paul would say, we beat upon the text. We study it, we pray over it, we meditate on it. We seek to, to find the God-giving meaning that we are to share with our, our people. But then the fire part, it also brings in the, the spirit-given passion that comes through the preacher, that is, that is evident of the Spirit moving and using the text in the lives of others. That's, that's why I love, because it doesn't just focus on the academic or the study, but it also doesn't put that to the side and reminds us that we are to study and we are to prepare as we proclaim God's Word. You know, I want to bring you a message that's really not about preaching, but I think about that definition often when I think about rekindling or reclaiming a passion for sharing Christ. Reclaiming a passion for making it part of our lives, as the Great Commission says, as we are going and 
This is on the heels of the Go Conference. And I, I pray that, that God has been working in your life and having you think about this, that we think about the fact that we are called to, as we are living our life, to have gospel conversations, to share with people what Christ has done in our life, to be a witness. A witness is someone that doesn't make up a story. A witness is someone who gives a testimony of what they have seen and what they have experienced and what they have heard. That's what we're called to do. And we would think that being on a seminary or Christian college campus, that naturally in being on this, in, in this environment, we would have that passion and that passion would forever be before us of daily sharing our faith with those we come in contact with. But I just, you know, part of this is a confession time. During my time at seminary, <clears throat> that was not the case. And I think that's why I think of the logic on fire. Because when, when I was in seminary, and it wasn't the fault of the professors, it wasn't the fault of any of the, of the administration. I, I have to own this, it, it was my fault. Because if you're not careful, when you come to seminary, you'll think, well, well over these next three years, and for me, it was the three years, and then in that final third year, feeling led to do a PhD, so that was seven more years, so it was 10 years, and my wife will tell you, it was 10 full years of being, of being a student here. I was thinking, well, I'll do that later. You know, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get the logic. I'm gonna gain the knowledge, I'm gonna learn, and, and I knew very little. I, I had been a believer since the age of 10 but was really in a, in a church where I, I would say I, I wasn't really discipled. So I didn't know much coming to seminary. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know, I didn't know what systematic theology was. I came to seminary, I didn't know there had been a conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. There was much I needed to learn and that's what I focused on and I thought, you know, I, I'm gonna gain the logic, I'm gonna gain the knowledge, and then when I graduate, I will go out and I will be passionate about sharing my faith. I'm gonna go out and I'm going to share with people what Christ has done in my life. But here's the problem. You, you spend those three years or five years or 10 years, whatever it is, and you kind of lose that passion you, you lose the discipline of engaging people with gospel conversations. You will be surprised how at the end of that time you can move right into ministry and just as you were busy preparing for ministry that you didn't share your faith, you can get so busy doing church things that you aren't the church that God designed us to be. And next you look back, and I, and I tell you, do I have regrets in ministry? Sure. I have regrets as I look back of perhaps the way I've handled things, the way I spoke to people, how I preached certain times without a love for the lost in my heart, for the love of people in my heart. 
But I tell you, one of the greatest regrets I have in ministry is the fact that I spent those years and I missed opportunities of relationships that I had with people where I, to this day, don't know where they stand before Christ. That's one of the greatest regrets I have is missed opportunities for sharing my faith with people that God had put right in front of me. And I would just encourage you, and I used to hate, I, I told Dr. Lee about I, I used to hate coming to chapel as a student and people would give you the, hey, here's five things I wish I'd have done in seminary. I, I just wanted them to preach. You know, I was trying to get the next sermon that I was gonna have to preach, so I thought if I can, you know, get one in here, that would be, that would be great. So I don't want to be guilty of what I used to hate, but I do just share that with you. Don't look back on your time in seminary and have regrets that you missed opportunities to live out now what God has called you to do. To live out now, not just preparing to do, but to live it out as you are preparing. I want to begin in verse 8 of the Acts version of the Great Commission in Acts chapter one. And then we're, we're really gonna look at the response of the disciples when they hear this from Christ. Verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up and as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Philip, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of, of James. Can I stop for a second? Have you ever thought about this? What's the other name we know this second Judas by? Thaddeus. You ever, you ever think after Judas betrayed Jesus, how many times this guy said, no, I'm not that Judas, okay? I'm a different Judas. They call me Thaddeus, okay? You know, that name was kind of ruined for everybody. But then it says this, they were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his, his brothers. You know, our, our, our convention president, uh, J.D. Greer, has given us a challenge. He's given us the challenge of who's our one. H who is that person? And maybe it's more than one, but who's that person in your life that you can share Christ with, that you can have a gospel conversation with? Who is that person? Our state convention tells us that seven out of 10 people that live in the RTP area, 
Now, some of you commute in, but if you live in the RTP area, raise your hand like I do. Okay, our state tells us that seven out of 10 people that live in the RTP area are what they call far from God. They may say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I walked an aisle, I prayed the prayer, I'm saved. But when you look at their life, you look at, at how they're living their life, they would classify them as far from God. So seven out of 10 people we come in contact with right in our neighborhoods, right where we work, right where we live, are listed as far from God. So we have an opportunity to share with them. And here's our challenge. Here's my challenge to me and my challenge to you is that we, we would rekindle and we would reignite this passion for gospel sharing. This gospel sharing of daily going out and just looking for an opportunity to share what Christ has done in our lives with those that we come in contact with. Today, I, I want to talk about, you know, why we go and then how we go. Because maybe that's the question. Well, why? Why? I, I'm studying. I've devoted my life to Christ. I've got to get all this knowledge. Why should I be concerned about this now? But then how? In what power? How, how am I supposed to go out with all that I have to do? To get through school, how can I do that now? First of all, let's look at the why we go. Why do we go out and share and have gospel conversations? Really two reasons. First of all, it's because Christ has commanded it. He has commanded it. We see it here. He says in verse 8, you will be my witnesses. You, you, you are going to be my witnesses. He doesn't say you might be my witnesses. I want you to pray about being my witnesses. It is a command to go. It's the great commission of the church that we are to go out and we are to make disciples as people come into our lives. One of the things that I felt like I, I've had to do at the church that I've been blessed to, to really been be part of for two decades is to really get, get the thought of, of, of evangelism and, and missions is, is, is not just getting on a plane. It's not just going to Kenya or to East Asia or to Central Asia. And those are important. That, those are important. And God's working in some of your lives to do that. But what can happen in a church, and I felt like what happened in our church is we sensed that we simply went and did missions. We went and did evangelism and it wasn't that we woke up every day with a call on our lives to share Christ with people. So what we've got to understand is this is the commission. This is the task that Christ has given the church. I, I hate cliches, but the one that you often think about this is, you know, it's, it's the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. And what we have to be careful is we begin to treat God like he's this cosmic grandfather. And, and, and all he's there for is to give us what we want. Somebody on Twitter this morning put, put, put this great quote, I've heard it before, said, if God answered your prayers today, would your neighbors know him today? So often our prayers are so consumed with what we want 
And it's not consumed with the lost who are around us that God has told us to go and witness to. I'm amazed at the number of believers and see, I'm speaking to seminary students and you're gonna go out and you are gonna work with these people that I'm talking about. You're gonna go out and work with, with believers and you're going, they're going to say, you know, I've never shared my testimony. Ed Stetcher says that over 90% of Christians who people say they have a, a, a testimony, a, a relationship with Christ will never share their faith in their lifetime. That is so sad. And what we've got to do and what you've got to do is encourage people to share their faith. Encourage people. We started with this just a couple weeks ago at Bailey. I'm surprised how many people have never shared their testimony. And I encouraged, I said, why don't you, why don't we start with this? Why don't you just simply go write out your testimony or type out your testimony? You know, take, take 30 minutes and get on your machine or take a sheet of paper and write out your salvation testimony. Because when you write it out and you go over it a few times, it makes it more comfortable when then you can share what Christ has done in your life. Dr. Hildreth, I've heard there's software where you can type in your testimony and it will translate it into another language. I meet people in North Raleigh all the time that English is not their first language. And we can, we can use this software to share our faith in multiple languages, share what Christ has done. In our lives, what I want us to understand is that Christ has commanded us to go and share our faith, to share the gospel with people. And I, I just pray that we would be faithful in doing what's been commanded. But I said there were two reasons of why we go and share. I think the second reason is that we understand that he is coming again. We see after the ascension in, in verse nine, after he said this, he was taken up and as they were watching, a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they're gazing up into heaven. I mean, we can't blame them. I would think about the emotional roller coaster they had been on. And they were, they were, they were with Christ. They were seeing the miracles and then they see him arrested. They're in fear for their lives. Then all of a sudden he's alive and he's walking with them again and they're, they're thinking, man, he's, he's back. He's going to establish the kingdom and we're going to keep serving and we're going to keep, and next thing they see him going up. And then it says there were two men clothed in white and there's debate and, and you can ask, ask your New Testament professor this, you know, some people think this, this, these were, you know, kind of it was an extension of the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, that some people feel it's the angels. We, I don't know that we know for certain. But they look at the disciples and they say, why are you gazing up into heaven? This, this same Jesus, verse 11, who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Now, this is, this is a time where, where we let Scripture interpret Scripture. And we understand that in this 
command or in this statement that he's coming again, we understand that when he comes again, he's not coming as the suffering servant who laid down his life, but he's coming as the righteous judge. And people who do not have a relationship with him will be condemned to hell. And we'll spend an eternity separated from God. So I think one of the problems in the church today is that we have lost the reality of hell. I, I, I remember hearing Jim Shattuck's testimony and he said, man, I, I, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. You know, that, there, that, there's nothing wrong with that. He knew God was calling him. I think we've lost this reality of eternal punishment, separation from God. And if we will think about that, we will understand that. We will understand the spiritual warfare that is going on. It will help us to also understand the call that God has given us and that we will not waste the opportunities that have been laid before us to share Christ with those we come in contact with. Do we really believe, let's just be honest, do we really believe that the people that are in our neighborhoods, the people we love, the people we're talking to, do we really believe that if they don't know Christ and they die without knowing him, that they will spend an eternity in hell? Because if we truly believe that, if we truly let that shape our passion, then we will want to tell people what Christ has done in our lives and what he desires to do in their lives. So often we get caught up in things that don't matter. I, I even see in this case kind of a word of distraction. They're looking up, they're gazing up into, into heaven. It's as if the, these two say, don't be distracted. Why are you gazing up? He's told you what to do. Now go do what he has told you to do. Go and take the gospel and take it in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and take it to the uttermost parts of the world. That's our call. Christ has commanded it. And we do it in light of the fact that he is returning again. And he's returning as the loving Savior. But he's coming as the righteous judge. That's what Paul called him. One day I'm going to stand before the righteous judge. And church, I would just admonish us not to forget that. People need Jesus Christ. And we can't be so distracted with our learning, with what we're doing, that, that, that we kind of push that aside as I did. We need to make sure that we are consistently having gospel conversations with people. Okay, that's, that's why. That's why we go. But, but, but how do we go? How, how, how is it? What are the two things we've got to understand in this life where you, you may be ridiculed for sharing? Some of you may go to places where you could be laying your lives on the line to share. How, how do we go? Well, again, just two things. First of all is the power of God. We go in the power of God. Let's, let's not overlook. You know, you know Acts 1-8 can almost become like John 3-16. We learned it and we said it, and, 
but we, we kind of become so familiar with it, we don't see the power in it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Now, some people feel this is Pentecost and isn't naturally or isn't you know, automatically dealing with the indwelling of the Spirit that comes when we receive Christ. I, I kind of, I really don't, I don't separate those two. I, I believe that when we embrace Christ, when we are saved, when we are redeemed, that we have God's Spirit that indwells us. So he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and in that, you will be witnesses unto me. You know, I, I think this is the most beautiful application of Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13, my, my, what I believe, I think it says that we can do everything God has called us to do. That whatever God calls us to do, he can equip us and will equip us to do. So I, I would say to you and I would want you to say to your people, don't let people get by with saying, I can't share my faith. And, and you're going to hear that over and over again. Well, I can't, I, I just, I can't, I can't share my faith. I'll challenge them. I'll say, man, I, I really don't think you ought to take the Lord's name in vain like that. Because to take the Lord's name in vain means to belittle the name of the Lord. And if you're saying, I can't do what God says you can do, that's making light of the power of God. And he has said, you will be witnesses to me. So you may have to say, I don't have a passion to share my faith. I don't have a desire to share my faith. I don't care to share my faith. I don't care if people are lost. But don't you dare say, I can't share my faith. Because the Bible right here says the, the power of God will, will come. When you are indwelt with the Spirit of God, you can do what he has called you to do. Stop saying you can't. Stop allowing people to say they can't. Now, we may equip them. I teach three circles at our church. That's, we, we've taught three circles. We've taught... Faith through the years, we go back to CWT and EE and, and a lot of different tools to share your faith. We ought to equip our people to share their faith. But it doesn't matter how many tools you learn. If you don't have a desire to share, you're not going to share. So what we need to understand is that God has called us and God will equip us to do what he has called us to do you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses you will be my witnesses but the second, second thing i would say is is how did they do it they they did it through the power of prayer see i i also don't want us to miss that after they hear this commission and they leave, they go back into Jerusalem, they go back into the upper room. And it, it, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer. Now, th this, we overlooked that, but folks, I'm not sure that's what we would do. And as Baptists, first we would have done, we would have we formed a great commission committee. 
you know, this is important. We've got to have a committee. We, we need a committee to, to, to accomplish this. You know, the, the, the strategist would have said, all right, let's break out a map. All right, um, James, you and Peter, you're, you concentrate here in Jerusalem, and Bartholomew, you go to Samaria, and, and you four go here, and you five go here. We would have had to, we would have had to quickly develop a plan to fulfill. And, and guys, I, I love plans. I love maps. But notice what they did first. They spent time in prayer. You know, maybe they had a better understanding of spiritual warfare than we do. You know, they, they had seen Jesus brutally murdered. They perhaps had seen other friends murdered for their faith. They understood the spiritual warfare. And the first thing they did when they received this commission is to begin to pray. And that's why I go back to what I read on Twitter this morning. How many, how many of us even today have prayed for a lost person? How many of us have prayed that God would put somebody in our path that we could share with? How many of us have, have, have prayed for a loved one? You know, I, I've got, I mean, it's not just out there. I have people in my family that are lost. When was the last time you spent time crying out to God with the name of someone you know is lost? When was the last time you asked somebody to pray with you for a lost person? You know, we're, we, we pray for everything we want and everything we think we need. We pray for, you know, our, our brother's mama's sister's barber down in Pecumseh that had a sprained toe. I mean, we, we pray for everything, and I, and I don't belittle that. I think we ought to pray, but do we, do we see the spiritual warfare that's going on where we're sharing our faith, where we pray for those people we come in contact with? See, don't just overlook this fact that they immediately, when they hear this commission of God, maybe they understood what they were laying on the line. They were going to places like some of you are going where you're going to risk your life to share. And they said, you know what, we've got to go pray. And that, that's just simply my encouragement to us, encouragement to us, is that while we're planning and while we're meeting and while, while we're strategizing, that we don't neglect the power of prayer and get other people to pray with us for the people we have in con that we come in contact with. You know, I, I'll simply close with this. You know, I, I want you to answer back to me. Do you believe, and you can shout an answer, yes or no, do you believe that when you embraced Jesus Christ as Savior that the Spirit of God indwelt you? Do you believe that? Okay. Do you believe that God has given the task to the church to take the gospel into the world and make it known? So on your testimony, you believe you have the spirit of God indwelling you and that you have the commission of God to go and tell. Then all I would ask, and I put me here because I'm the one that said, I didn't do it for so long. I would simply encourage us to go out and do exactly what we just said we believe. 
that we would go out and share what Christ has done in our life, believing that he can save, believing that he can change lives and heal families, believing that he is the greatest need that people in this world have. If we believe that, then I pray we would be faithful. Let's pray together. Father, I, I, or again, confess when I have not been faithful and I have missed opportunities. I pray your forgiveness, but Lord, I pray for more opportunities to share what you've done in my life, to share what you've done in others, Lord. Let it not just be about the logic, but let the fire be there. And Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.